Welcome to Catch the Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. We've survived the cold. It's 80 degrees now. I'm very happy here in the Florida Keys. This week's episode is number 67, The Overseas Highway. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. 2023 is here. I'm recording this on New Year's Day, as a matter of fact, so... Those three-year numbers, though, the, the, the uh, you know, 63, 73, 83, yeah, those are some very round numbers for me. I know it's they're odd numbers, but round numbers for me because uh, I'll be 70 this year. Yeah, you know, I'm a 53 baby, so it's like whenever I see the threes, I'm like, oh, God, there's another decade. <laughs> so anyway, in my head, I'm still 20. My body... You know, that's another thing altogether. But my head is telling me I'm 20, and I think that's all that really matters, to be honest with you. So, and that's how you got to do things anyway. So, weather pulled itself together this past Thursday after five days of rain, clouds, winds, generally cold weather, even here in the Keys. I can say that winter is over down here now. <laughs> we had five days of winter. God, I hope so. <laughs> Perhaps I shouldn't jinx us. So I'll just, I'll not. Here's, here you go. There, I knocked on wood just to make sure. The last few days have been in the 80s. That's more like it. My subject for this podcast came about from reading an old travel book about the Florida Keys. Uh, I also went way, way back in my writing archives to look for a story I wrote for a website about driving down US-1 to Key West versus flying. And... It was for what is now a defunct website for the original VPHC, that's the Virtual Parrothead Club, back in the 90s. Um, Jimmy Buffett had a whole bunch of Parrothead Clubs located all throughout the U.S. They gave you really good access to tickets for concerts, but a lot of people lived in areas where they there was no club. So a friend of mine and others, we all got together and created the Virtual Parrothead Club, the VPHC and got accredited, and that enabled us to join in on the goods of early concert tickets and things like that, as long as we donated money back to the, the Parrothead Club uh, charities, which we did. Um, and Janelle and I wrote for that, for the very first the early website. We wrote, I think it was an entertainment section that we wrote, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And one of those articles I wrote was about driving to Key West instead of flying. And that also came about because of the latest news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really fun time everyone had flying over the Christmas holidays, didn't they? And so now you get my podcast, The Overseas Highway. Uh, that's pretty much why. Driving can be much more fun than flying, especially on the Overseas Highway on the way to Key West. For those of you who requested a Keys travel podcast, I've skewed this just a bit to cover mostly outdoors. You know, catch you outdoors. You get, yeah, okay. I've also decided to add a, a bit of history as we move along. Um, those of you that have followed me long enough know that I love history and science, so there's going to be tidbits of this. Uh, and I'll mention this now and later in the podcast. I'll be doing a more um, detailed Key Wester one because I've been asked again for that even though I already did one. <laughs> but the main purpose of this is to encourage driving from the mainland south, really southwest to Key West. If you look at a map, you don't really, you don't really drive south to Key West. You drive somewhat south to Key West. 
Um, but you miss so much when you fly or even when you take a boat or, or a ferry. So for the purpose of a starting point, I, I picked Homestead, um, the last city, albeit a small one, along the east coast of, of Florida. Um, I could have just as easily picked Fort Lauderdale and Miami International Airports as a starting point. But, you know, since a great many folks fly there and then they rent a car instead of uh, taking a much more expensive flight directly into Key West. That's one of the things. The flights to Key West are not cheap. And they don't fly out of too many airports. I mean, you, you're going to wind up in Orlando, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, or Miami generally. Maybe um, uh, Fort Myers. Not sure about Fort Myers. But anyway, you can pick up these flights. They're, inter- they're international flights. You know, American Airlines, Delta, stuff like that will get you down there. But it's more fun to drive. <laughs> so we're going to start this little trip uh, in, in Homestead, no matter where you started your where you started your journey. So... Um, this South Dade area opened to homesteaders in 1898, and at the time, the only way in and out of the area was through a little path called the um, Homesteaders Trail. In 1904, Henry Flagler, you're going to hear a lot about him this today, uh, decided to extend his railroad from the Miami area, the you know Palm Beach's Miami area, down to Key West. He just one of those wild hair things. I'm, I'm going to do this in 1904. Imagine that. Farmers in the area of, of the home, what was to be homestead, were suddenly able to transport their fruits and their vegetables to Miami and other parts of the state. And many of the workers who helped build the railroad stayed in the area and founded the city of, you got it, Homestead in 1913. So that's that's where this whole Homesteaders Trail, you know, I've, I've long wondered, why do they call it Homestead? Now, even I know. I looked it up. I'm like, that's pretty interesting. Today, it's a combination of... Um, Rural neighborhoods, they supply workers to both Miami and the Florida Keys, uh, mainly because housing there is much more affordable than both Miami and the Keys. Um, Homestead is still an agricultural area, uh, today growing everything from palm trees, uh, bedding, flowers, orchids, one of my favorite orchid stops, and of course, uh, vegetables. All right, let's get on the road. Uh, We're going to start in Homestead. Just south of where the Florida Turnpike, South Dixie Highway, Route 9336, and eventually Old Card Sound Road, they all come together in this one point. Run that by you again. Florida Turnpike coming down, South Dixie Highway coming down, 9336 coming in from more or less from the west, and Old Card Sound Road. Uh, They all come together in this this one little area right near Homestead. Um, And and I'll mention this while I'm at it. If there's any type of disaster on what I'm about to tell you on the 18-mile stretch, Card Sound Road is the alternative to get you down to Key Largo eventually. Known to locals as the 18-mile stretch, I should say. Uh, Also, the dreaded 18-mile stretch or the more vulgar. um, No, I won't say that here. But you get the idea. Locals hate the 18-mile stretch. It's virtually a narrow road of wide open spaces across crocodile, snake infested swamps, bayous, uh, mangrove bays. It's a it's not a good place. I, I would not want to experience a breakdown or a flat tire there. Uh, it's also mostly two lane with a wall down the middle. So passing a slow moving RV or a service truck or a lost tourist is almost impossible. So be it. That's the charm of the 18-mile stretch, as some of my friends say. <laughs> yeah, you get used to it, but it's it's the only way in and out of here. So there you go, on on in a car. 
US-1 changes names uh, to the overseas highway just after crossing into Monroe County. And uh, the reason for this will become apparent over the next 100 plus miles as you head down to Key West, where on your way, you're going to cross 42 bridges, some small and some very, very long ones. Um, near the end of the stretch, there's a bridge that crosses over the intercoastal waterway. And below that bridge is a great place to calm your nerves after doing the 18 mile. Make a stop, have a cold one and a bite to eat at Gilbert's Resort Tiki Bar. Um, enjoy the view. You'll likely get to strike up a conversation with someone doing the same thing that you're doing. Chilling. <laughs> it's a great place. It really is. It's got an enormous parking area in the back of the Tiki, you got or around the Tiki. And you have a, a real good view of the intercoastal waterway as the boats come and go, basically from up Miami way through Key Biscayne and through the intercoastal waterway, uh, they'll run through there and they'll, they'll head, um, out down over <laughs> past Key Largo. And eventually they're also headed to Key West by boat. So pretty, pretty awesome trip. I've done that a few times. Now onward. Dun, 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 dun. After the bridge, the road will slowly come down to sea level and it gently curves to the right and you'll land in Key Largo. The road also becomes four lanes at this point, so you can now pass all the very slow vehicles and trucks, but don't get too carried away. The first five miles or so is a haven for Florida State Troopers and the Monroe County Sheriff's Office. <laughs> Speed limit's 45. They'll tolerate 50, but a smidge over that, you, you've been warned. Not No, just don't do it. Uh, there's lots of signs. There's fake cop cars in the median to help slow you down. There's all kind of, they just do not want you to speed into the key. So just slow down. Just slow down. God, I can't say it enough. You're not in the big city anymore. The hustling running at top speed it is not our style down here. Relax. For the next 100 miles, it's time to enjoy the view and leave all the mainland worries behind. Take your time. I reiterate, enjoy the view. Key Largo, my hometown. Now my hometown. I love Key Largo. <laughs> I have to admit that this island has been largely ignored by me as far back as I can remember. I, it was an honest mistake. It's just the way it was. My first and even later trips down the overseas highway were mostly for getting to either Ala Mirada or Key West. Before I met my wife, Jonelle, in Key West... Key West was the was was my destination. That's right. I met her in Key West. We wound up living in Fort Lauderdale um, after we got married, bought a boat, and kept it in Isla Mirada in what used to be called the Matacumbe Marina. It's now the Safe Harbor Angler House. I'm sorry, folks. Weird name. I have no idea. It, what, Safe Harbor Angler Marina, maybe? Angler House. I had some big conglomerate, I think, bought it, and that's part of their name. So I'm, I'm just explaining that away for you. But anyway, it used to be the Matacoon Bay Marina. Charming little place, cool as it could possibly be. Kept a boat there on a trailer for 50 bucks a month. I dare you to find anywhere in the Keys now where you could keep a boat on a trailer for 50 bucks a month. <laughs> we still cruise through Key Largo, though, until recently when we moved here. Mea Koopa, Mea Koopa, Mea Maxima Koopa. I just, you know, it's just one of those things. Key Largo just was not a stopping point. Uh, I had plenty of gas to get through to Alamrata. I had plenty of supplies, plenty of stuff. And um, I mean, you know, that's just the way it was. 
First and foremost, the people, the locals, they are wonderful here. And they're accommodating to new residents, visitors. The island is very much like a small town. Um, Everyone knows everyone. I like that. The grumpy factor of the city simply disappears here. And I'll tell you something else. The desire to leave this place for trips up to the big cities has gone away rapidly. If I do leave, I cannot wait to get back. Plain and simple. And the longer you stay here, the worse that. There was a guy um, I heard on the radio the other day was having getting an interview down here on Keys Radio, and he said he has not left for 11 years. <laughs> I was like, yeah, baby, <laughs> that's that's adapting, man. <laughs> I've done. I've I've been. I've been out to eat and dined at a ton of Keys restaurants. So I'm going to start there, uh, in Key Largo. So we're on the road now, and we're heading south. Okay, or southwest, as it were. Look at a map. You'll see what I'm talking about. I'm going to start with the Fish House restaurant. Um, It's just incredibly consistently good. All right, it's on the left hand side of the road. It's not very far down after you've gotten into the four lane highway. Um, It's it's easy to miss if you're really paying attention to the road and you're just kind of getting used to driving and you don't look a little bit left. You'll you'll see it if you do. Great big sign. Can't miss it. Great, great food. A little further down is a place that I love called The Hideout. It's hidden away at the end of Transylvania Avenue. Love the name. I would love to get a house on Transylvania make that my address. <laughs> it's, it's a little diner, a little diner restaurant. Um bomb for breakfast, boy. I'm telling you, just take my word for it. If your truck brings you to Key Largo in the early morning hours, it is a must stop. Hash brown casserole is yummy. I love their homemade biscuits. The big breakfast they've got is called the Old Country. Just imagine a lot of food on a plate. <laughs> it used to be called the Redneck Breakfast. I guess it was a woke name change. I've asked my waitress why the name changed, and she just rolls her eyes. I love Key Largo. I really do. If you, if you plan on spending more time than just a pass-through on Key Largo, there are many other eateries that you got to check out. There's the Lazy Lobster, mm, Snook's Bayside, the Giorgio's Cafe Largo, mm, Italian, uh, Bayside Grill and Sunset Bar, and uh, Skipper's Dockside. Moving on down the road, next island is Tavernier. Tavernier was originally inhabited by Native Americans, mostly Tequesta. In 1774, British cartographer Bernard Romans created a detailed map of the Florida Keys, including Tavernier, uh, which he mapped as Key Tabona, T-A-B-O-N-A. I have no idea why, and I've never heard it until I started doing the research for this. The Tavernier, um, Tavernier Island offered this great access for Bahamian fishermen and wreckers due to its location near a hazardous reef called the Carries Fort Reef. This place was was known for wrecks. And back in the day, the way a lot of these islanders made money was salvaging wrecks that, that hit on the reefs that were all around these islands. So that was a big deal there. The first settlers of Tavernier um, were mostly Bahamians. The island was also mostly used for farming, but that changed with the arrival of the Florida East Coast Railroad and, you know, Mr. Flagler. <laughs> in 1911, a post office opened here, or there, a sure sign of progress. In 1928, Herbert S. Mac McKenzie moved to Tavernier. He was instrumental in bringing services, shops, employment, and supplies to the island. He was a big-time businessman entrepreneur. So he's, I guess he's considered more or less the, the, 
the the Indians settled it, but he was the first of the white men to come in and just take it and go. Listen, we're going to turn this into a into a stop, and it, it definitely became that. Need hardware? I got to tell you, right now I travel all the way down there from uh, Key Largo to hit the Ace Hardware. The Ace Hardware up here is great, no problems. Find the stuff I need, but it's mostly uh, hardware oriented: screws, nuts, bolts, nails. The Ace Hardware in Tavernier just can't be beat. It is one of those old-time hardware stores that's just loaded with stuff. Everything you could, everything and almost anything you might need. If you're traveling and there's something you forgot, there's something you realize in the car you don't have, that I, I, when you get to Tavernier, that would be a really good place to go look for it because you're liable to find most anything in that hardware store. Next, you're going to cross a bridge um, to Plantation Key and shortly after that, Windley Key. Uh, this is this is your first. This is when you first start to see water. You know when you hit Tavernier and, and you go over um, Snake Snake Creek and and you just you start to you're like whoa there's an ocean whoa there's a bay and you know it's just like all of a sudden things start to open up. You know coming down from Key Largo and south, it's a very broad island with a road right smack in the middle, so you really don't see a lot of ocean slash uh, Florida Bay. Until you get down south, uh, you know, like I said, slow down, take in the view. If you got time when you get to Windley Key uh, to make a stop, stop at the Windley Key Fossil Reef Geological State Park. Whew, that's a lot of words. Windley Key Fossil Reef Geological State Park. I personally love this location a lot due to the historical significance of how the Florida East Coast Railroad was built. Um, the building of the railroad has always fascinated me, and it will it, it will you too after you've after you've crossed a seven mile bridge. <laughs> wow, how did they do that in the 1900s? Anyway, more about that shortly. The the parks and old quarry were giant blocks of fossilized coral were cut from the old seabed. And the tools and machinery used to cut these giant blocks are still there, you know, rusting and stuff. But it's, they've got them fully displayed. They've got signs on them to let you know what they. It's it's utterly fascinating. They were left behind when it was abandoned. After the railroad was completed, the site was used uh, up until the early '60s, I believe, to produce these pieces of decorative stone. They call them keystone. Uh, basically, they're polished, thinly cut coral. You'll see it on a whole mess of buildings and homes in there, here in the Keys, generally on steps. Like if you've got a big front porch and there's steps leading up to the building or leading up to a house, um, they will put, put this keystone down just because it's so pretty um, and it's cut from the coral. One of the neat things about being in the quarry is if you if you look closely at the giant blocks that are there, you can see all the old sea life um, that died and wound up uh, as part of the limestone slash uh, hardened coral. Um, shells and critters and animals and things like that from hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago are, are buried in this stuff. You have to remember that when, you, when you're when you at this place, it used to be the ocean floor. So in other words, you're, you're going down US-1. There's land to the left. The ocean's out there. On the right, there's the uh, Florida Bay. You're almost to the... Well, yeah, still Florida Bay there. And then uh, you have... Uh, you're driving into a quarry, and what that was is that was the ocean. That was the ocean floor uh, at one time. Um, so it's the the coral in there is really fast. It's it's really fast. Make a stop. Be sure to stop if you get a chance. Next in line is Isla Morada, or Isla Morada, as some of the people from up north call it. Isla Morada, not Isla Morada. Thank you. The news people do that. It drives me nuts. Spanish for the Purple Isle. 
I spent more time here than I can even imagine. Uh, it's still one of my favorite world destinations. Uh, the island is just, it's much more touristy than Key Largo, but it holds a piece of my heart, you know, due to my love of fishing. Alamrata calls itself the sport fishing capital of the world. When I was uh, doing the nine to five in Miami, um, I would get away just about every other weekend, sometimes, eh, actually every weekend, and go to Alamrata. Get a room at the Islander, hang out, uh, fish for the weekend, mostly on foot. That was pre boat. Um, maybe I'd hire a guide, go fishing with a guide, but, um, you know, it was that was just my spot. Um, so, and that's really never left my heart. I've always just, when I drive in there and I look around and go, man, there's a lot of great memories in Isla Mirada. As you roll into this area of the Keys, um, as I've said before, you begin to really see a lot more water from the highway and way more than earlier. And that's really strikes you when you hit Isla Mirada. Um, if this is your first trip down the overseas highway, it'll be an eye-opening, especially on a sunny day. Um, the waters on both sides of the island are beautiful and, and just hard to describe. Even for me, a long-time Keys traveler, I still marvel at the beauty of it all. Um, many places to stop in Isla Mirada, but if passing through a must is a short break at the Lorelei Cabana Bar on the bay side. You can't miss it. <laughs> Look for the giant mermaid, grab a seat at the bar or along the uh, dockside rail, and just enjoy the view in a cold one. Um, evening live music, morning fantastic breakfast. There's always something happening at the Lorelei. A fabulous sunset. It's a great place to watch sunsets if you're in that area uh, as the evening rolls in. Um, like I said, a lot of other things to do in Alamorada, a lot of things to see in Alamorada. Alamorada is like a... It's funny because when you're driving down the highway, the overseas highway, it's kind of open. Cars kind of cruise along. They slow down a little bit uh, when you get just past Tavernier. And then all of a sudden you get down into the Alamorada and everything just slows down to a crawl. Of course, the road at that point is no longer four lane. It goes back to two lane with a turn lane in the middle. So that that definitely you know bogs things down a bit. But there is so much to see in Alamorada, so many shops and places to stop that the, the rubberneckers, I mean, they're going to be like looking at what you will be too, <laughs> all over the place. So, you know, take your time. Like I said, be careful. Watch out for people in front of you turning and trying to get across the highway. But uh, it's a, it's a, that's a really great area in the Florida Keys. As you leave the island of Isla Mirada, the views become more and more about water and bridges, even more so than what I told you before. It, it suddenly becomes obvious that you're on a remote chain of islands with the Atlantic Ocean on one side and now the Gulf of Mexico on the other side. You're starting to leave the Florida Bay Area and it's, it's literally changing into the Gulf of Mexico. You'll travel through Upper Matacumbe Key and then across some fill islands that were dredged up for the Florida East Coast Railroad called the Indian Key Fills great place to kayak around if you drop a kayak in the water near there. Shortly after that comes Lower Matacumbe Key. Stop at Robbie's. <laughs> yeah, baby. On the right-hand side of the road at the base of the bridge, you can hand feed the tarpon and the pelicans and the jacks. <laughs> Watch those fingers. Um, yeah, there's nothing more fun than doing the tarpon thing. I, I, you talk to a mess of people that have been down here, and they always say that no matter how many times they go south toward Key West, they got to make a stop at Robbie's. Robbie's not only has the feeding tarpon, it is a crazy tourist stop with all kinds of little 
um, boutique like shops that are open to the air. You know, it's like it's like somebody decided to take the entire parking lot and turn it into shops. Because when I first started going down there, it was just about feed and tarp, and that was pretty much all there was. You went down there, and for a buck, you got a bucket of, um, of mullet, little finger mullet, and you went down there, frozen finger, and you just leaned over the dock, and the tarpon would take them from your hand or take them from your whole arm if you weren't careful. It was, it was a good gag to pull, pull on your friends that had never been there. Anyway, it's, it's quite the stop now, and it's, it's definitely worth it. Just before the next bridge, you'll see Ann's Beach on the left. It's a it's a nice rest stop and a great view of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, long ago, the flat that's the flat that I used to go to. It was one of my favorite spots for fly fishing, for bonefish and barracuda. But for some unknown reason, they don't allow fishing there anymore. And I, it's kind of strange, considering that's what a great many folks do in the Keys is go fishing. The only thing I can think is, you know, they put this fancy boardwalk in. They put these great little cabana type things along the boardwalk for you to sit in, enjoy yourself, picnic areas. There's very limited parking. That might have had something to do with it. I don't know. But back in the day, we used to pull in there and walk right out on that flat and catch all kinds of fish and now they don't want you fishing on it so just beware if you've got this notion or you've been down there before and you remember fishing ann's beach you can't do it now somebody needs to speak to those people about that i i don't know pass through crag key then over the channel five bridge into layton after that be careful Leighton makes most of their revenue from a speed trap, and at one time they had a squad car with a dummy in it to look like an active radar spot. I kid you not. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that was Janelle's. Oh, here comes Leighton. Slow down. Be careful. Don't by no means go over the speed limit going through Leighton. Next is Long Key. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the entrance to Long Key State Park, which honestly has taken the most recent beatings from hurricanes. I, I don't know what the deal is. That poor park, I guess just because it fronts right on the Atlantic at sea level, means that any kind of surge, any kind of heavy wind with surge or high tide is going to do something terrible to the road that's along the uh, beach. And that's where all the camping and stuff takes place and the campers and RVs can stop. That's been closed for quite some time. They, they were working on it, had it all together and then the latest hurricane came through ian and that piled more sand and junk in there so i uh, last time janelle and i went by there they were still working on it so you want to contact it. The, the north end of the park is open the south might be closed that's the part i'm talking about the the road that runs down right along the beach beautiful place to put a kayak in the water to snorkel to fish i mean it's really a great a really great park but you want to call first if you're thinking about camping there or spending the night there um, as as a camper all right, from there, you're going to cross Conk Key, Little Conk Key, slide by Duck Key, and eventually land on Grassy Key. It's funny. I love these names. For me, Grassy Key meant fishing. Yep. You, you see where this is going for me in this outside vein. It was just like I carried a rod, reel, fly rod, flies, and stuff like that in the car with his truck at that time. And any stop might mean dragging that rod out and casting something at something. That was one of the coolest things about, and still is, about the overseas highway is the ability to step out and, and fish. Um, I never fished the ocean side there. I always went over on the Gulf side because there were lots of flats and big holes and things like that right along the, the roadway. Now, of course, that's become much more populated and more difficult, but... 
boating wise, uh, we boated out of there. Janelle and I would take the boat down there and put it in at the marina at Grassy Key and go out and fish. And it was fantastic fishing out there, especially the deep holes. The deep holes were full of snapper. And that was, we loved that. Um, Next comes a whole list of small islands before reaching Marathon. There's Vaca Key, Crawl Key, Little Crawl Key, Long Point Key, Fat Deer Key, and Crawl Key number two. <laughs> they ran out of names. <laughs> each, each and every one is another bridge and more beautiful views. I mean, that's just what's so spectacular. At the, at, by the time you get down to this point, this is, this is what it's all about, to tell you the truth. And then suddenly, very suddenly, you are back in civilization. Marathon, called the Heart of the Keys, is just about at the halfway point from Key Largo to Key West, thus the, thus the moniker. It's a large island with a host of stores not found on all the smaller islands of the Keys. Um, well, some of them are, but not like there's a Home Depot. You ain't going to find a Home Depot anywhere else in the Keys except on Marathon. And that's important to those of us that are building, fiddling, and fixing things. Uh, there's also big department stores. There's a Bell's Outlet for the for getting those those islandy, floridy looking things that adorn your house, <laughs> your keys home. Uh, Walgreens, CVS, Publix, Winn Dixie, all that stuff. It's all located. It's a very very large island. Uh, what really stands out is the Florida Keys Marathon International Airport. Um, however, there's there are currently there are no current airlines right now flying into Marathon. There are a host of private charters available there, so you can get a flight to just about anywhere if you want to fly on a, on a private charter, including down to Key West and, and back up to Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Um, one place to note that I have experience with in this area is Key Colony Beach. Um, uh, it's located along the ocean side of Marathon, almost across from the airport. And it's really a neat community that has rentals, hotels, resorts, and there's even a golf course available. I told you this island was big. <laughs> yeah, a golf course. Oh, my gosh. You know, unreal. Um, but anyway, I, you know, my brother had a place there for years, and we used to go down and stay with him. And the boys would fish down there. And it, it's, you know, it's just it, Key Colony is just a really nice place. So be sure to check it out if you if you're if you're thinking about doing overnights or long stays, that would be a really good place to look at. The most western point of Marathon is the beginning of the Seven Mile Bridge. If you have Jeffarophobia, I had to look that up. Jeffarophobia. Yep. That's the fear of uh, intense fear of driving over bridges. Then, well, you better buckle up, Buttercup, because it's a seven-mile-long bridge above the ocean. It's pretty. It's beautiful. If you like that sort of thing, if you don't, you won't. It is a marvel. It's an engineering marvel. It's absolutely incredible. It is the longest of all the bridges in the Florida Keys, and one of the longest bridges in the entire United States. Um, the old bridge was originally constructed in nineteen in early nineteen hundred. Yeah, I, I looked that up. I always thought it was nineteen, but it's early. I think it was like nineteen oh three, nineteen oh four, somewhere in there. It was part of Henry Flagler's Florida East Coast Railway. He, yep, you get it. This was uh, this was called the Key West Extension. So this sort of came after he got everybody down to Marathon. Uh, in the early 1980s, the old bridge was replaced by a new bridge, the one you drive on today. However, some of the remaining bridges still used for walking, hiking, and bicycle riding. Uh, the entrance to that section is just off to the right-hand side 
of the road as you make the approach to the bridge. So right as you're leaving Marathon, you're getting ready to go. You can see the seven mile and you go, oh, wow, that's what your head does. Your eyeballs like, whoa, look at that. Um, to the right, you pull off and you can get access to the old bridge. doesn't go all the way across. Um, it's got really, it's, it's, they just fixed it all up. They repaved it, did everything to it in uh, 2022. It just reopened, right? In 2022. Um, it's worth a stop and a walk. Uh, bicyclers love it. You can bicycle all the way out and then bicycle back. Um, it's, it's incredible. Really, really beautiful place. As you cross the seven mile, the view is truly incredible. Uh, it's one of a kind. Blue-green turquoise water stretches out for miles. I honestly love it. Again, it's 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 proof positive that you are literally you're in the ocean. You're on a string of islands in the ocean. And then, for me, because of the railroad system, I look back at a time in the early 1900s when they were building bridges to get to Key West, and I just think to myself, "You all, you just some crazy dudes to think you were going to get this done." But guess what? They did. It's it's very remarkable. At the western end of the bridge, you drop into Little Duck Key, then Missouri Key, Ohio Key. And Bahia Honda Key. That's and Bahia Honda is actually the state park. Um, the park is really something, and certainly worth a stop if you have the time. If not, you need to come back and experience it because it's it's an enormous park. The most outstanding feature for me is at the far western end of the park. There's a trail called the Old Bridge Trail, and it leads you to a section of the original raised railroad bridge that you can walk out on. The elevated view, view is crazy good, and you can see how this thing was constructed, and which is, again, a marvel for its time, thinking over 100 years ago. Um, just, just getting this done to me is, is amazing. But you get to go out on a chunk of that bridge. You look down, the water's crystal clear. You'll see tarpon, grouper, all kinds of things swimming around under the bases of the bridge. Uh, not unusual to, to see schools of snapper, dolphin coming through there. It's really, it's really incredible. Uh, and you're, you're elevated, so you really have an excellent view when you look down on the water. It's not like being on the dock looking down trying to see things. You're, you're well above the water on this bridge. So take the time to, to go and, and, and visit that uh, when you have more time. Oh, well, you know, I've already told you to go slow. So go slow and go in there and take a look. It's worth it. Next comes Spanish Harbor Key just before you reach the National Key Deer Refuge on Big Pine Key. Things are suddenly weird here when it comes to compass directions. I always love to point this out. <laughs> Big Pine, unlike all the previous keys that you've been crossing over, sits mostly north-south instead of that northwest. Well, actually, it's northwest-southeast, so it's kind of tilted a little bit on the, on the uh, compass, sort of. But best known for the key deer refuge but all the other keys you've been crossing over are oriented primarily east to west as you as you drive on them but this one's not it's it's running much more north south it's best known for that refuge the key deer refuge it's also known for one of mine and many others favorite watering hole so we're going to send you off the road a little bit to the no-name pub Good luck finding it. <laughs> I'll just tell you, it's on Big Pine. The cool thing now is you have a GPS, right? You got Google this and Google that. So you can pretty much type in the no-name pub and find it. But I remember the days before any of us had that, and we heard about this place, and we're like, we got, you know, you got to go find it, of course. And once you get there, the best part about it is the top of the sign says, hey, you found it, <laughs> which is really cool. If you do find it, they've got some of the best wings and pizza you've had. It's, I know that's kind of weird because most people associate bars 
bars and pubs with having a beer and a, and a piece of fish or something in a basket that's seafoody. Um, no, honestly, their their wings are incredible and their pizzas. I'm not a big pizza eater, but I have been told the pizza is wonderful there too. So while you're there, don't forget to get a T-shirt just to prove that you were there. <laughs> Every now and then, I see him. I would see him in the grocery up in the city, up in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I'd see the T-shirt. I go, ah, and and people go, yeah, man, what a great place. Did you find it? Yeah, I found it. That's how I got the shirt. So anyway, pretty cool. Um, One note about Big Pine and US One: mind your speed. I've said this before on other islands, but you better really do it here. Um, you are driving through the key deer refuge, and the key deer are highly endangered smaller deer, smaller than what you're used to seeing. Speed limits are there to protect them, so slow down. The key deer, like I said, are in danger. They, they live here on Big Pine. They're, they're really cool. They're smaller than, they're kind of a, I don't know, large dog size. Um, not like the white-tailed deer that you're used to seeing in the U.S. and Florida, across the U.S. and Florida. If you want to see them up close and personal, take a right-hand turn at Key Deer Boulevard and head up the road. That's going north, by the way. Uh, stop at the Blue Hole Observation Area. That's really cool. And then further up at the Fred C. Uh, Manila Wildlife Trail. And those two spots, you're more than likely to see it. More likely in, in the, in the uh, Fred C. Manila site. Because it's way up, you go up to the, you're almost going up to the top of the island, and that's really where the key deer like to hang out because it's less populated. Um, Janelle and I have been there a couple of times, and I mean, if you find them, once you get in where a herd of them are, they will literally walk right up to your car, truck, or jeep. They'll just they'll come right to you. Do not feed them. People feed them lettuce, and they give them all kinds. Don't do that. Um, it, it, try not to domesticate these creatures because they'll walk right out on the highway where the cars are. Uh, to try to get fed. So, you know, but get your pictures. And literally, I mean, they will come right up to the window of your car. It's, it's hilarious. And, and they're, they're, they're the cutest little dudes you've ever seen. Next on the list as you continue your travels is Little Torch Key, Middle Torch Key, Ramrod Key, Summerlin Key, and then Cujo Key. Keep an eye out for one of the best restaurants in all the Florida Keys, the Square Grouper. It's located to the left on Cujo Key. Kujoki, Kujo, Kujo. <laughs> Big arguments on how to pronounce that thing. C-U-D-J-O-E. I'd say Kujo. Some people say Kujo. Next is, uh, anyway, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, Square Grouper. Don't miss a Square Grouper. The food is good there. And it's right on the highway. If it's open, stop. Next is Upper Sugarloaf Key and then Lower Sugarloaf. Honestly, I've always referred to both of them as just Sugarloaf. I don't even put the key name. Are you going to Sugarloaf? Yeah. Um, it's a... A stepping stone? No, I don't want to call it that. People live there. You'll then cross a bunch of small bridges that make up the Saddle Bunch Keys. See what I did there? A bunch of them? Yeah, okay. Many, many moons ago, I used to pull my truck off the edge of the road there, wade in on the flats, cast a fly at whatever would pass by. This was one of those places where it didn't really matter what or if I caught anything, quite frankly. The feeling of open water, white sand bottom, small mangroves, blue sky, white puffy, everything, white puffy clouds, everything that means anything to me <laughs> in the islands. I just loved it and I still do. And there's still room to pull off and there's still room to wade in there, put on a pair of wading and boots and have at it. No one's going to run you off. Be, they're used to seeing people stopping and going fishing. So you're getting close now, really close to Key West. So after crossing Shark Key, you arrive on Big Coppet Key, then Rockland Key, and then Boca Chica, where the Naval Air Station is located. 
Um, the Naval Air Station, that's pretty much the entire island of Boca Chica, just so you know. Here's a tip. I'm going to give away something for podcast listeners. Um, there's a very remote beach called Boca Chica Beach Park. It's located on the ocean, and it's on the other side of the airbase. So you can't drive into the airbase to go down to get to it. You got to go around your elbow to get to your thumb to get to it. So what you do is you can get access by making a left-hand turn on road. Uh, I think it's a highway, 941. Yeah, it's state highway. Nine, no, yeah, highway 941. It's on Big Coppet Key now. Before you get to Boca Chica, you make a left on 941 at Big Coppet Key. Follow the road south to Geiger Key and keep up uh, going. The road ends at the park. And the reason, again, that you have to go around your elbow to get your thumb is you can't drive through the middle of the air station. Um, you know, gates, guards, guns. <laughs> Not a good idea, but you have access to that park if you drive all the way around it. If you get a map out again, Google it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It is a really wonderful little beach. Another tip, if they are running jet fighter touch and goes while you're there, you better bring your earplugs. <laughs> Great beach, though. Wonderful, hard to find hideaway spot. Something to get photos on to look like you went to the middle of nowhere because you did. Unless a jet flies over, and then you got to get a picture of that. So, okay, back on the road because there's more to see. So you got to follow your way out of there. Stock Island is next. I have to confess, I've rarely even so much as I made a stop on Stock Island over the past twenty something years. I don't know why. Perhaps because Key West is across the next bridge, and I'm ready to check in. One of my favorite places: have a room cocktail and then head out for the rest of the day, evening or night. Um, but that changed a couple months ago, thanks to Jonelle telling me about our native plant sale at the Key West Tropical Forest and Botanical Garden. And so, okay, you know, maybe you caught the Key West name on Stock Island. Funny thing, Stock is considered part of Key West by zip code. So the Key West Tropical Forest and Botanical Garden is really on Stock Island. But it's its own island. Hmm. Anyhow, Stock Island is suddenly coming out on its own. New restaurants are popping up along with new resorts and bars, marinas. I'm guessing the prices on Key West are driving a good bit of business to stock. And so be it. Um, changes are happening there. I, I mean, what what used to be, you can see what used to be if you just get off the beaten track and stock on and ride around. You suddenly realize that this is where all the seafood came in. These are working marinas with where the people brought, where the, where the uh, commercial fishermen brought shrimp, lobster, and fish, and all other things, you know, oysters and whatever else was coming out of the sea. And they delivered it here, and apparently that was the farm out spot where to go out. And these marinas are still working. I mean, you see the guys dressed in the white boots still working stuff. Most of them are soaking wet, and of course, they're going to smell funny. No offense, guys. I used to be a guide. Um, but it's it's really neat. There are really some cool places there. The Hogfish Barn Grill is there right in the midst of that. It's been there. just had their 20th anniversary. Great food. Great atmosphere. The new stuff, Sloppy Joe's Dockside. There is a Sloppy Joe's. That's that's historically been known about Key West. There's a Dockside, an open-air Sloppy Joe's there. The Perry Hotel and Marina. What a neat place. Janelle stopped. We stopped in there and walked all through that and had we had a, had a hamburger, as a matter of fact, at the Sloppy Joe's Dockside. So if you get a chance, stop and check out Stock Island. Very impressive. And I think that's going to be a fairly major extension of, um, of uh, Key West. Okay, it's time. Cross the bridge. You arrive on the island of Key West. 
you made it. Perhaps also known as Margaritaville thanks to Jimmy Buffett. Well, maybe. <laughs> but it's much, much more than that. It's also the end of US-1. However, the end is actually across the island on the west side. Just up the road from the Green Parrot Bar. I've told you in the past, it's my favorite bar in Key West. At the corner of Fleming and Whitehead Streets, you'll find one of the most photographed signs in all of the keys. It's mile marker zero for the overseas highway. You made it. I recommend you get the photo and perhaps a t-shirt and sticker for the car proving that you've, that you've been there. I'm going to do a more extensive podcast about Key West in, in the near future, actually. As a matter of fact, one of my early podcasts, number 17, is called Key West. It's a good overview of the island, but I think it needs an update with a bit more detailed information about eateries, places to stay, things to do, and some of my favorite shops and stuff. So I'll get to that in the very near future. So we'll just call it a episode number 17 major update. So I'll get it done and then I'll, I'll let you know when that's going to happen. Signed copies of my new book, Take a Kid Fishing, an adult's guide for introducing youngsters to the world of angling is available on my website at catchyoutdoors.com. Go to the site and then click on page four to order. You can also purchase it on Amazon Kindle. There are a lot of references to Take a Kid Fishing on Amazon. So after searching the title, add my name to help you find it more quickly. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. My podcasts are scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoyed listening, tell a friend, leave a review, subscribe to the channel. Catch you Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and is available on Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page is Catch you Outdoors. The website's waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.